Snare drum pounds on the two and four. All the party people get on the floor. All the party people get on the floor. On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, I want you to free your mind and escape. Escape with me and Richard Cole. Welcome back to the show, Richard. Uh, welcome to I Am, Jason. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome, man. I love having you on. Another Prince head to talk Prince Lyrics with, and you're, you've got your own podcast. Obviously, we have very different formats with our shows. Uh, your show with the Amari Purple Talk. You kind of just talk about what's going on in the Prince uh, Prince world and with his various uh, you know associates. Like your latest episode on the Morris Day and the time drama, you know that was a very insightful episode. And but then I'm I've got like a completely different vibe where I'm just talking about <laughs> a single Prince song per episode, uh, really getting down to um, you know the details, so to speak. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about Escape. Escape is the B-side to Love Sexy's second single, Glam Slam. And it was really the first new B-side from this era. Because Alphabet Street, the first single released from Love Sexy, didn't have like a, a, you know its own separate B-side. Because basically the B-side of the 7-inch was just you know second half of the song. Because the song was fairly long with, with Cat's rap and everything that goes on in the second half of the song. So that's what we got as the B-side. was just basically the full song of alphabet street uh so escape the song we're doing today was really the first new track that we got from love sexy from you know the the singles released uh we were talking a little bit before i hit record about your history with the song richard so you sounds like you got the song when it was first released you know back in 88 or whatever but hadn't really spent a lot of time listening to it since then is that true yeah um I was I was living in San Francisco. I was going to art school out there. Been there for like probably a couple of years uh, when the Love Sexy tour came to town. And I had a friend here in St. Louis, uh, co-songwriter, bandmate. He flew out to check it because it was the Love Sexy tour never made it to St. Louis, but it was there in San Francisco and Oakland where I was staying then. And he bought the 12 inch single to a glam slam. And he made me a cassette copy of both that side and the B side, which was escape. Yeah. I haven't heard that pretty much since then. Um, the shorter version, um, when I bought the hits and the B sides. So we're talking what 93 mm-hmm. or so. Yeah. I haven't listened to it since then until, um, you know, just the time up until we're recording this episode. Initial thoughts. I don't know. This was kind of, I think, maybe the the beginning of where this one was more of a throwaway B-side uh, than some of the other, you know, classic B-sides. Mm-hmm. And I think even more so than the last one that we discussed, La La La, He 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 to me i mean just you know kind of going off my thoughts of it listening to it now and you know years ago because yeah because after that there was i don't don't know if we can curse on the show or not but the other (laughs) (laughs) beats 
Yeah, the the other B side, um, Scarlet. We'll say Scarlet P. <laughs> like I'm eventually going to do that song, and I'm not going to tiptoe around the title. So gotcha. you can say okay. Scarlet Pussy. <laughs> cool. Okay. All right. Cool. So yeah. So Scarlet Pussy, the one after that, that one I think was kind of a return to form to some of the classic B sides. So this one for me was kind of Escape was kind of um. I don't know. Like I said, it felt more of a throwaway. But then with Prince's throwaways, there's still always something interesting in it. And probably better than a lot of other artists, B-sides or throwaways as well yeah, on that. Yeah. And I've got some ideas of where this could have gone. You know, we'll probably get to that a little bit later. But that's that's yeah. just my initial memories. Oh, cool. I escape. mean, yeah, I, I hope we do get to it at some point because... Uh, my thoughts are pretty much mirroring mirroring yours in terms of like the I wouldn't say the quality, but just the impact of this song. It's pretty slight, in my opinion. Um, it doesn't feel like a really like a song that Prince spent a whole ton of time on. I mean, honest, honestly, I I have no idea how much time he spent on writing and recording the song, but it just feels a little bit like it was an afterthought. Like, oh, you know, I kind of dig, um, you know, the ideas that I put in, into Glam Slam. And let me just kind of reuse that chorus a little bit, reuse the title. He even reuses a little bit of the music in the song. I mean, not very much, but a little bit, just a little bit. And so a lot of the themes in, in Escape are repeats from the album track Glam Slam, which I guess, okay, this was the B-side to Glam Slam, so... In some ways, it just feels like a continuation. Like, hey, you dig Glam Slam. You bought the 7-inch, right? I mean, right. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> so if you dig it, flip it over, and you basically have Glam Slam Part 2. And that's yeah. kind of what Escape comes uh, comes off as. Uh, and it's it, it doesn't get brought up, you know, often when, when people talk about Prince's classic B-sides. It just doesn't. It's It gets uh, pretty much buried underneath the weight of all of the Purple Rain, Around the World in a Day, 1999, even Sign of the Times era B-sides. Parade didn't have as many classic B-sides. I mean, we, we we did Love Her Money, and that's a memorable one, but shit, that didn't even make the, the Hits and B-sides collection. This one did, um, and maybe that's more to do with its association with a film versus this one, which doesn't, but that's neither here nor there. Oh, I, think, yeah. I think we agree Escape is, is a fine song. It's just not one that I think has holds a lot of weight in Prince's catalog overall. Yeah, and what you were saying too about how it's a continuation of Glam Slam. Yeah, definitely in the the hook or the choruses. But then lyrically, you know, he's he's saying quite a bit, you know, which we'll we'll get into later. But I thought, you know, listening to it recently that here you have, like I said, a B-side, which feels more like a throwaway than anything else in, you know, his official B-side releases. And then it's a B-side to a track that, I don't know, it's, almost, I mean, not, I wouldn't say divisive, but again, Glam Slam doesn't usually come up in the conversation you know, when you talk about a lot of Prince classics and if the name Glam Slam comes up, it's more in relationship to the clubs that he mm -hmm. built later. 
as opposed to the song for it. Yeah, so absolutely. it's yeah, so it has this kind of weird place in the history of that album where I'm listening to it recently. I thought it'd have been a good idea if there was somehow a way to do a mashup, you know, and you know, still call it glam slam, you know, kind of keep the heavy lyrics and have that be a part of Love Sexy. Because I think it's kind of if he recorded it during the same time as Love Sexy, and obviously it was the reason why it didn't make the final cut for the album with it. But like you said, if he was able to spend more time working either on the album or working on that particular song, I think it would have given more strength to Love Sexy as an album. Yeah, I think this was recorded... According to Prince Fault, this was recorded, I think, in like May of 88, around the same time the album was released. So uh. this this wasn't even like an option really to put on the record. It was, again, I think Prince was thinking, you know, I need something or I don't know. I mean, maybe he had an idea. Maybe he felt like Glam Slam was cool, but he wanted to continue on with that idea. At this point, I'm sure they're looking like, OK, what's single number two? Alphabet Street was already out and was released as the lead single record label was like okay prince what's number what are we gonna what are we gonna release next what are we gonna throw on the b-side and and, and because i think and i'm just spouting off here i really have no basis for this but i don't he had a very short amount of time that he was recording for love sexy right so like he knocked this one out in a couple months which is pretty quick right and i don't know if he had like, a, I mean, of course he had a vault worth of material, but I don't think he had a lot of like stuff that he was recording for Love Sexy that didn't make the album. Unlike other albums in the past where he had, you know, 50, 75 different songs to choose from and he could pick the best 10, 12 or whatever. Right. I'm not sure that he had as many options for, for uh, unreleased B-sides in 1988 that he had in the past. Sure, could he have reached back a couple years? Absolutely. He had plenty of songs still in the vault that he had never released. We're hearing them today. And then there's plenty that still haven't been officially released. But no one like reading about how Prince operated. uh, A lot of times like Love Sexy was his newest idea. It was his latest, you know, it was his baby. You know, He, he, he didn't really want I don't think he wanted to reach back into the revolution era because, you know, then brings up the whole idea of uh stuff that maybe had contributions from other band members that were now ex-band members or even if it was his own stuff that he didn't have the revolution participate in that's sitting in the vault maybe it was tied to some you know memory that he didn't really want to revisit Mm -hmm. or a recent breakup or i who knows just like i think he recorded this as a b-side for glam slam because he just needed another song needed needed a b-side and i could be completely off but that's just that's just one theory yeah i could see i could see that as being a possibility yeah i didn't know it was it was done so late yeah exactly and that's (laughs) why i feel like as being a continuation to the song glam slam being like a, a part two or you know glam slam continued um it makes sense that it was written later, I think, because at this point, Glam Slam was probably 
being earmarked for a single, either by him or by the record company, whomever. And so, like, what what would make sense for a B-side to Glam Slam? How, how about another song in a similar vein? How about a song where I repeat the line, Glam Slam? Yeah. How about how about a song where, you know, I even incorporate little bits of the music from you know the, the A-side? So. That that might have been might have been the situation with this with this B side in particular. Um, all right, so the song starts off with uh, with an intro. So you know you've got that that drum beat in the background, doom, this pump and doom, 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 doom. Snare drum pounds on the two and four. All the party yeah. people get on the floor. Then he repeats the line. All the party people get on the floor. Bass. Then we get and then we get right into the chorus too. Like he. He has that little intro that I just recited, and then he goes mm-hmm. right into the chorus. Glam slam. Escape. Glam slam. Free your mind from this rat race. And that's actually the like the um, in parentheses subtitle of the song, the 12-inch version, free your mind from this rat race. Lamb slam, escape. And it's kind of like I'm, I'm trying to emphasize escape because it's like mm-hmm. being kind of shouted, you know, at this point in the in the chorus. Escape. Uh, so those are the first words we hear for the song. Um, so the intro, I'm sure you'll note as well when you listen to it, it's, nearly identical to an unreleased song at the time rebirth of the flesh right uh, yeah so what do you want to touch in on that a little bit richard okay so yeah that was one of my favorite uh, bootlegs <laughs> until i'm glad it's finally got the official release to it so you know with i guess prince always kind of being in forward thinking mode um, we're starting to see like a pattern with a lot of the vault tracks now where ideas from one track kind of inform either direction for the next album or it informs a direction for not even sometimes one, but two or three different songs. And it'll have that sort of common DNA, but then they'll end up so radically different from one another. But when you go dive back into the vault, then you see, oh, okay, so he pulled this bass line from here, or he pulled this, you know, vocal riff from this one, or this horn line from that one. And I guess it was just, like you said, where possibly he wasn't going to release Rebirth of the Flesh anytime soon. But apparently it was something that he liked in that track that he was going to use an element of it uh, for escape. Because mm-hmm. Rebirth of the Flesh, for those who might be listening and not aware, was intended to be on the Camille record. That was going to get a release like in late 86, I think. Right. And then Camille got scrapped. Tracks from the Camille record were pulled into Sign of the Times. Um or the use for B-sides, or use for the Black Album, or unreleased. And after the release of, I believe it was the Crystal Ball Project in the 90s, 
we we had received in some form or fashion every track that would have been on Camille except for Rebirth of the Flesh. Right. Yeah, that was the one holdout. <laughs> that was the years. one holdout. <laughs> it's a great song too. Um, and in Rebirth of the Flesh, which is a like I said, a Camille track, so it's sung by his alter ego Camille. He says, uh, kick drum pounds on the two and four. All the party people get on the floor. So that's the common phrase. So the difference is just replacing kick drum with snare drum. So in escape, he says snare drum. I mean, you know, uh, the difference between a kick drum and a snare drum, you know, one is you use your foot pedal to pound on mm-hmm. the kick drum. And the snare drum, you use your, you know, your, your arm and uh, a drumstick. Like it's one of the main drums. Like the kick drum is more of like the uh, like the bass drum. Um, so I don't know if there's any significance between why he chose to replace kick drum with snare drum. I don't. I don't honestly know or think that there is. Uh, but maybe I don't know. Maybe there's some hidden meaning into why he made that switch. Because at this point, it's not like he was. Um, you know, Jack had something that he had already released because as far as 1988 audiences were concerned, this was this was never heard before. Unless unless you were really in the know and you somehow had a less than two-year-old bootleg of Rebirth of the Flesh or some promo copy of Camille or something that you'd heard. Uh this was this was not a phrase that people were familiar with. They they, they couldn't recite this they didn't know it came from rebirth of the flesh so anyway i don't that's the main difference just wanted to point that out i don't know if you have any thoughts on the difference between kick and snare drum richard i I don't know i don't know if it was conscious or unconscious no good point you know where you know he was remembering rebirth of the flesh and said snare and then realized later like oh no i meant to say kick but hey this sounds (laughs) great i'm not going back to fix it (laughs) You know, usually it's the more the more simple answer is the correct one, and you're, you're probably on point with that one. It's like, yeah, I recorded that a year and a half ago. I it, I got it got close, right? You got it close, good enough. <laughs> Which uh, off topic for a quick second. Um, I was watching some interview with some engineers, and they mentioned that they worked on a Morris Day's Color Success album, <laughs> and they were telling the story how like basically the, the album was finished and there was one song that was, you know, perfect. Um, I think it might've been love sign. I can't remember which one, uh, but Morris calls says, Hey, I'm booking the studio, you know, for however many hours, you know, that he wanted to book the studio for. And they say he comes in to the studio, everything's set up, everything's mic'd, everything's ready to go. He comes in and he just goes, and leaves <laughs> like he just need to just add that one part and that was it <laughs> so i just just that with the snare and the kick just reminded me of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think prince was just like i'm not going to do that i'm not going to replace it just just leave it as kick <laughs> the song still yeah works. right i mean it functionally speaking it makes no difference i mean it's all part of the drum you know whether the kick drum is pounding on the two and four or the or the snare drums pounding on the two and four the idea that you get the visual you get is you know you 
the start of a you know the beat the boom 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 you can make that sound with a kick drum or a snare drum so right don't make any doesn't make much much difference um as far as the chorus goes like free your mind from this rat race just that line in the chorus because otherwise the chorus is really simple it's just glam slam escape repeated with the free your mind from this rat race and also i did want to call out because i like to give shout outs to uh band members that are especially when you hear them in the vocals i believe we have uh sheila and bonnie on here i mean definitely hear bonnie later yeah um, i believe we've got sheila on here as well but yeah. they they participate in in joining prince in this chorus for sure uh, I, I like the free your mind from this rat race line just because it kind of gives you the listener idea of like what what are you what are you meant to be escaping from like the song is called escape so you can escape from a lot of different things in life so, oh okay so prince is trying to give you an idea of escaping from i don't know negativity or stress or whatever it is that is is bogging you down and and making you feel like you're kind of a a rat and rat in a cage so to speak what do you get from the chorus richard yeah so that i guess you know we'll get into the actual lyrics but that's i think that's the escape you know everything that's going on lyrically in that is a very good reflection of pretty much what was going on by 1988 you know i know we're kind of in a crazy you know time period now but even back then you know there was a lot that was you know that was going on you know you had the aids crisis going on still um crack you know which is alluded to later in the song you know that was the beginning of it becoming more of an epidemic mm -hmm. And I guess, I don't know, whatever, uh, economics and just a lot of stuff that was still going on in 88. Um, I mean, I think war was on the horizon, too, you know, within a couple of years. So, yeah, Gulf War. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Even back then, there was still a lot. You know, where Prince, I guess, is alluding to, hey, you can escape, but let's try to escape in a more positive way. Yeah. Which, yeah, right. Yeah. Using the, you know, using Glam Slam as the hook um, that, you know, that sort of psychedelic um, spiritual positivity, mm -hmm. you know, was, right. you know, I guess it was kind of to say, you know, this is the door, you know, the door to <laughs> the door to Glam Slam, you know. So if you want to escape, here's a positive place you can escape to. Yeah. Exactly, because because Glam Slam, the way I understood it and how we kind of described it in that episode is, it's like a, a frame of mind, um, you know, like a mental state, a way of life, like just anything that you can attribute it to, because it wasn't a physical place yet. I mean, it's a little bit like Paisley Park, right? I mean, the song Paisley Park, Paisley Park is in your heart. Oh, then then it became a physical location later. Right. Glam Slam was just an idea a concept in 87 88 then it became a physical place later um but it wasn't it wasn't a nightclub yet in 1988 so right. the words glam slam and then how that song and this song used them 
leads the listener to believe he's talking about, you know, positivity and uh, a frame of mind and and being able to, to take some of the, the troubles off of your shoulders and, and think of better ways to celebrate life and, and, and get rid of some of the stresses instead. 15 minutes ain't long enough your mind in a world so tough wanna escape and truly be all the crack in Compton won't set you free come on alright so uh, the first verse that first actual verse we don't have a lot of verses in this song but the first one and, and it, this song it kind of makes me chuckle because you kind of i don't know how to describe them to me they sound like cartoon sound effects um oh yeah you, yeah you know what i'm talking about like you have that yeah, cartoon that sound effect i don't yeah i don't know if that yeah. was just like some sound effect he had on his uh his drum machine you know if he was using the fairlight or whatever he was using at the time yeah sample yeah he could have sampled it too uh, i can't think of the actual instrument that makes that noise yeah um but yeah um but yeah they use it in all the all the cartoons i think yeah yeah it just comes across to me as a cartoony but anyway so the the lines are 15 minutes ain't long enough to be out your mind in a world so tough if you want to escape and truly be all the crack in compton won't set you free come on all right, so this first verse, um, to me, it's fairly straightforward. The only question I had, like when I was reading these lyrics and listening to the song, when he's saying 15 minutes ain't long enough, I have a theory what I think he's referring to, but I, mean, I guess it could be a couple things. So what what do you think he's referring to here when he's talking about 15 minutes ain't long enough? And then to follow that up with to be out your mind in a world so tough. Uh, I guess, you know, given not only, you know, not only crack, but I mean, just about any, any drug, I don't know how long a high would last, you know, in terms of whatever minutes or hours. Um, I know the thing that was so dangerous about crack was that how instantly addictive it was compared to other drugs. You know, which is why it caused so much, you know, um, devastation in, you know, more so the black community than anywhere else, uh, just because it was instantly addictive. Um, but, yeah, any any high, whether it's crack, whether it's heroin, whether it's, you know, even say, you know, marijuana or whatever, you know, alcohol. You know, you do have that sort of, I guess, that buzz. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, maybe for, you know, at minimum 15 minutes, you're kind of in another place, you know, you're kind of outside of yourself. But all the consequences that come from that sort of instant gratification, you know, it's, you know, you can't, you can't live your life on that. Yeah, it's not sustainable. Right. Yeah, that's, that's basically what I took from it too. That was and, and and just using context clues because this whole verse talks about you know fifteen minutes ain't long enough to be out your mind. So you know, in other words, 
being kind of in another place mentally. If you want to escape and truly be, and then referencing Crack and Compton. So all the context clues one could use to assume that he's talking about in that first line, 15 minutes ain't long enough. The 15 minutes being like the length of a a typical high or the, the, the peak of the high, however you want to describe it. That's kind of the way I thought of it as well, based off of what I heard in that first verse. So we're on the same page there. Yeah. And too, you know, at that time, yeah, Compton was practically, you know, it was the epicenter. And by 88, it was starting to spread, you know, uh, across the country. Yeah. Compton, Compton by 1988 was starting to really become more, uh, get more national exposure, I think in the news for, for, you know, gang violence, like you said, like epicenter for gang violence you know, drug violence. There's a reason why NWA came out with Straight Outta Compton because, you know, their whole aesthetic was we're coming from a dangerous place. Right. And, you know, that, where they came from, I mean, that had been going on in L.A. since the 70s. It's just that with the introduction of crack, you know, like I said, it just kind of became this, like, flashpoint for Mm -hmm. everything that's unfolded in the decades since um you know i remember like i moved to california in 87 and you know just turning on the news and then you would see all you know hear all in the news about the drive-bys and all this stuff that was going on and newspapers were doing these special reports on the differences between you know the gangs in la versus oakland versus San Francisco versus say Chicago and all of that. And, you know, here we, you know, we'd never known anything like that. You know, usually, Mm -hmm. you know, here, you know, a gang was just somebody, the worst that they would carry would probably be nice. Maybe somebody would have a gun, but it was just, you know, either just troublemakers or, you know, robbery, you know, or if you were selling drugs, you were pretty much doing it independently at that point. But, I always, you know, make the analogy (laughs) for St. Louis where in 84, when Purple Rain came out, everybody ran out and got a band the next day. (laughs) And then when Colors came out, everybody ran out and got a gang the next day. (laughs) You're talking about the the movie Colors? Yeah. (laughs) Robert Duvall, Sean Penn, soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it wasn't yeah, and I mean, but it wasn't until the '90s, you know, when I guess you can say because territories were expanding for one reason or another, that now everything kind of became more uniform, you Mm -hmm. know, to where um, just like um, Ice Cube song. Uh, my summer vacation. <laughs> I was just thinking about that yeah. song, Richard. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, because that because they moved to St. Louis, that song takes place in St. Louis, right? So, yeah. The gang. The gang. Yeah, and by ninety two. Yeah, by uh, ninety one, ninety two. Yeah, it 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 was bad. It was mm-hmm. really bad. Drive by in Missouri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, eighty eight. That, that wasn't going on. <laughs> right. I mean, you still had to watch yourself at night, but still, it wasn't like you didn't have to worry about that 
pretty much. You yeah. Know? Like I said, the yeah. worst I mean, thing the crack, is... The crack epidemic really amped things up, I think, in the in terms of gangs, gang violence, um, and just the dangerous inner city, inner city danger. And that's where like Prince is kind of talking about here with all the crack in Compton won't set you free. It's not like crack wasn't being sold anywhere else. Um, but just because Compton was in the news, Compton was at the forefront of, of, you know, a lot of people's consciousness. It, It was starting to gain traction in terms of national exposure, where maybe it was just more local exposure. People know you say Compton in 1988 and you're immediately given or provided like some context of what he's referring to, whether, whether it's right or not, you know, whether you've never stepped foot in the state of California, you hear the word Compton, hear the city of Compton being referenced, you get an idea of where he's going. All right. uh, Any other comments on this uh, first verse before we move on? Nah, no, Move on to the second verse. <laughs> yes, because the chorus is exactly the same as what we've already talked about. Glam slam. He says slamming, so you hear him say slamming. So he's still kind of pulling out the slamming like he did. At, you got the look. Yeah. Slamming. Free your mind from this rat race. Glam slam. Escape. Verse two. You got to be yourself you got to be aware because the gangster man he don't give a care whether you live or whether you die glam slam escape got to give it a try okay so this is really seemingly just a, a continuation of stuff he's been talking about in the first verse referencing the gangster man well you know again gang violence coming out of compton was a thing the line you got to be yourself you got to be aware i think really kind of appeals to or this whole verse seems to be appealing to individuals that maybe are living that lifestyle like maybe living that or living in either living the lifestyle of a gangster or living in a dangerous location uh maybe maybe ripe for being recruited into a gang and he's maybe trying to appeal to these people that are still on the fence or whose destiny hasn't really been decided yet mm-hmm. don't do it like whether you live or whether you die doesn't these these people don't care they don't really care about you i think what he's trying to say gangster man don't give a care whether you live or whether you die so you gotta <laughs> he's he's strongly recommending giving something else a try and that's where he's saying glam glam slam escape gotta give it a try uh so anyway what are you what are your thoughts on the second verse richard uh as i'm thinking about it you know of course we alluded to how the world or you know communities were changing based on the first verse but also in relationship of the art either trying to inform people of what was happening or art imitating life yeah again by 88 I mean, granted, you had Public Enemy, you still had Rakim, you had 
KRS One. You know, there was still a balance in hip hop, but here, you know, NWA kind of kicked well, Ice T's beginning, and then NWA later had kicked open that door to say, hey, this is a whole nother world that's going on. And I think, you know, it definitely had influence. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of influence. So not only with, you know, the element that was already in place, but of, you know, kind of the impressionable minds that felt like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to make it anywhere else. So I'm going to try to make it here on the streets. And this is the only way I can do it. And I think, you know, Prince, I think he was aware of it, of what was happening. You know, not only, like I said, the shifts in the communities, um, but also within the music industry, because, yeah, the whole thing was sort of, you know, gaining a, a huge momentum starting in 88. And, you know, we see where with the Black Album, where Prince was talking about, you know, dead on it, where he kind of had this sort of anti-hip-hop mentality. To see, you know, here it is the month of, he said he recorded this in May. You know, by then, the Love Sexy album is slowly, you know, or rapidly dipping down the charts. But here you have, I have to look to see what was going on that month, but definitely I'm sure NWA was still, at the top of the charts with virtually no radio play Mm -hmm. and going platinum or even probably maybe double platinum. I think it was hammer the first, but either way, you know, the MTV BET, all the hip hop videos were in heavy rotation. And here, you know, Prince is, you know, with a very strong album, doesn't go to number one. Uh, I think alphabet street, Barely made top 10. Yeah, the tides were definitely turning around this time. 1988 was the year that Yo! MTV Raps debuted. Yeah, see, there we go. So, yeah, so this is the time when rap music was going to really reach mainstream audiences in a way that it hadn't before. Like, nobody's saying, I'm definitely not saying, like, rap wasn't popular until 1988. No, I'm saying rap reached was able to reach people, uh, audiences, wider audiences than it ever could before because, you know, cable cable packages in the late 80s, depending on where you live, you did, either did or didn't have access to, you know, stations like BET or The Box or I don't even know if that mm. existed in the late 80s or not. But um, these, were not, these were not options. So I was starting to get into rap right before MTV picked up or started airing episodes of Yo! MTV Raps. And that was only because of like the crossover success of Run DMC, Raising Hell yeah. album, the crossover success of the Beastie Boys, the crossover success of LL Cool J with I Need Love and Bigger and Deffer. And then, you know, the occasional inclusion of a, a rap song on a, a a motion picture soundtrack, you know, something like that. It was it was because of UMTV raps that I heard of NWA because they these guys were like and I keep citing them but I mean you, know, you got Ice T and a whole bunch of West Coast rappers around this time they were just not reaching they weren't getting radio play I mean let's no <laughs> let's just be honest they're not going to get radio play they didn't they weren't making radio friendly songs 
by design uh, for the most part. And, and they certainly weren't going to get played on, uh, you know, pop stations that, right. that I had access to. So it took a, a TV program like UMTV Raps to expose a lot of us to the other parts of hip hop culture that were that was out there in certain 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 demographics, certain cities had were privy to, but a lot of us still did not was not aware of. Now Prince being in the entertainment industry and being a musician, I'm sure he had access to stuff that like I didn't have in 1988. So he probably was more than aware of, of all these, these, you know, hip hop acts that were doing the quote unquote reality rap or gangster rap that was just starting to become super popular. And to your point, like selling like big units too. Like they weren't just underground, you know, uh, kind of niche artists. They, these were very successful. They were, um, selling big records big you know selling out tours pretty soon for sure i don't remember like uh when that first nwa tour happened but certainly you know you had um def jam was doing their tours and they were having a lot of success there so prince is prince is seeing this i'm sure and he's realizing like yeah my love sexy album didn't do all that great but if you look at all these uh all these rap artists right now that are what the kids are into <laughs> right so <to> speak. <laughs> and this is what they're rapping about and i yeah this is exactly what they're rapping about they're rapping about you know the, the stuff that's happening in their lives and happening in their communities and you know the street reporters type type stuff and while prince was very far removed from that by 1988 he wasn't living that life he still had something to, i think he felt like he still had something to say about it and and he was pushing, you know, positive vibes. He's always been yeah. pushing positivity as a rule, uh, with the exception of a couple songs off the Black Album. But um, certainly positivity as it pertains to, like, making good choices in your life, uh, choosing um, positive ways to express yourself. And ideally, you know, hey, choose God, too, while you're at it. Like, choose the spiritual path. And I he doesn't really get super explicit about spirituality in this song, except for unless you, I guess, unless you uh, interpret glam slam as a metaphor for that, then then it is. But uh, he leaves it vague enough. Like you can just be like, all right, well, he's telling me I need to escape, you know, whether or not that means a physical escape or mental escape, you know, like, is it just, again, a, a way of just, a coping mechanism i guess like this is the this is the life that you are this is the scenario you're in in your life how can you either get out of it or learn to live with it live in your environment but do it in a, you know make a positive change try to do things more positively instead of just succumbing to it oh yeah that's it that's yeah 10 years before the matrix really i mean the Free your mind from this rat race. Yeah. Because it's, you know, what was going on? It was a conditioning in one way or the other. And I think, the, of course, the obvious one, again, is back to the to drugs. You know, that's a, um, that's a type of a conditioning. You know, it's a mm -hmm. type of programming. Yeah. Agreed.
point then we get after the chorus again we get a little bit of a breakdown you hear voices saying party baby and they repeat that several times party baby party baby and then in the background you hear someone not sure who might be sheila might be bonnie hear them say where did i hear that before and then you get more glam slam escape Then you hear, I believe it's uh, at this point, Prince is back on the mic. Everybody tripping on the party bass. However high you get is a matter of taste. Winner takes all in the hardest race. Don't get on the scale if you ain't got the weight. It's more hot to love than it is to hate. Say it's more hot to love than it is to hate. Come on, it's more hot. The, don't get on the scale if you ain't got the weight. It's more hard to love than it is to hate. And he repeats Same. that. <laughs> Say more hard to love <laughs> than it is, is to, hate. to hate. Come on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 fun to, to speak and sing along, chant along, however you want to describe it. The one thing that I wanted to bring up with the back um, with the uh, kind of hidden line, where did I hear that before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just thinking about like what are, what are they talking about? But this yeah. is the time this is the time in the song that you actually hear a little bit of glam slam music. You have that um, okay. and I'm wondering yeah. if that's what they're referring to. Like it's like a kind of like a meta joke. Like <laughs> where did I hear that before? Oh yeah. Flip the A side. That's where you heard that before. <laughs> I don't know. Just the thought. I have no idea what they're referring to there. Yeah, I don't I don't either. I, the crowd noise in that one, it it's, isn't easy to decipher. Like, um, you know, unlike uh, the repeated crowd noise that was used in Joy and Repetition, that was used in at the end of I Know. I think it's turned up in a bunch of other uh, Prince tracks, Oh, for too. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's been done on a few Prince songs, for sure. Yeah, I... But yeah, I, I thought it was in relationship to some of that, but I couldn't hear some of the other crowd noises in it. But mm. yeah, you're right. If it comes in at the part, I guess that's the synth line or the horn line from Glam Slam. Yeah, exactly. So again, <laughs> I don't think it has a lot of like deeper meaning or anything. It's just one of those situations where nowadays we have the lyrics in front of us so you can read along as you're listening to the song where in the past I would have listened to escape and I wouldn't have paid that line any attention. You know, I'm just waiting for him to get to the, it's more hard to love than it yeah. is to hate <laughs> chant. Uh, so I wouldn't have, you know, paid, like I said, paid any attention to where I, where did I hear that before? But now that I know that it's being said because it's right there in front of me on the screen and I can hear it. Now I'll think of it uh, every time I hear the song from now on. So uh, however higher you get is a matter of taste. So that line's kind of interesting to me. Um, do you think it's another, I mean, obviously high, you know, as a reference to drugs, because he's been bringing up 
alluding to drugs either explicitly or um you know just the reference to five 15 minutes a long enough and then he mentions crack um and then also the the don't get on the scale if you ain't got the weight so that line and however high you get as a matter of taste seem to just be more pushing that that uh, general theme of drug use and and trying to avoid that is that what you kind of get from it as well or would do you get something different yeah i you know that the i guess the downside of it being almost a throwaway track is that you know he, he's trying to finish up the song with it and as clever <laughs> as those lines are yeah they're not as clear to the meaning but i mean i, I guess it's a allegory for something yeah or a metaphor for something but i don't know however how you get see again he could be talking about drugs uh he could be talking about musical taste and be like well okay cool you know you can enjoy the hip-hop i guess but you know when it comes to the negativity you know don't buy into it yeah could be um like i said don't get on the scale if you ain't got the weight yeah, I think I that know, one has even, like a couple different meanings I yeah, think, to be applied there. I, I'm trying to remember how I, like I said, because I haven't really, really listened to it since the, since 88. I just thought like, okay, yeah, it's Prince, he's being clever. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I, I'm overthinking yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure overthinking it, because I immediately thought like, because he's been referencing drugs, like throughout the song. And so then to throw in a line about a scale... I just immediately started thinking, yeah, and like, and you know, weighing up drugs for sale, uh, and and also the weight. Using the term weight can also seem to have like multiple meanings because you you got the the meaning about you know, selling drugs, selling weight, and then also can be you know importance and values. So don't get on the scale if you ain't got the weight. I think is a, is a clever, probably one of the more clever lines in the song, actually. Um, in terms of its multiple meanings, you know, being a metaphor, double meaning for, you know, referencing the drugs that he'd already been talking about versus also if you don't have street cred or if you don't have, um, you know, importance in your life, if you don't have value, these are all things that weight can be or uh, interpretations or definitions of the word weight it just depends on the context, depends on who's saying it. And um, what, what, you know, what they mean. Weight is one of those words that has a lot of different meanings yeah. depending on its context and, um, you know, who's who's actually using the word. Yeah. I, also, when, I wonder what was recorded on, else was recorded that day or that week. You know, if it's anything that ended up on a, you know, stronger that ended up on an album or if it was more vault tracks. Like I said, to me, it just feels like I said, it's, you know, it's the, I guess, the pressure of just trying to come up with a B-side. And he had a good <laughs> idea and right. just trying to finish it off. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, which, you know, e every artist, you know, that writes their own songs, they have those, those kind of throwaway things like, okay, I need album filler or I need a B-side or I got to have the album finished by next week so we've got the hits written 
so now I need two more songs. And, you know, some work better than others. And again, you know, to where it does have that strong beginning. And then to where it kind of gets into these uh, metaphors at the end. You know, like I said, he could be talking about anything. Yeah, it's, it's anything. very vague. It is. Yeah. It's very vague. <laughs> and like the concept, like it's more hard to love than it is to hate. Okay, what, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's for the most what, part true, uh, I think. But also at times it's not true. Like hate, hate takes a lot of energy, right? To hate something or to hate someone takes a lot of energy out of you. And sometimes it is, actually, it is, it isn't hard to love somebody versus hate them because hating somebody just uh, exacerbates and just kind of multiplies the amount of negative energy you have inside you to, to dislike or hate something. And maybe that's what he's trying to say. Like it's harder on you to hate, but, but what he says here is it's more hard to love than it is to hate. And I'm wondering if, um, you know, it's, it's more of a comment on the difficulties of, loving one another when you're surrounded by negativities like maybe he's just kind of commenting on that like when you're in a a very negative situation or you know living in a society or a part of the 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 world where you're surrounded by difficult situations day-to-day life is so hard it's also hard to then find love in your heart for other people because you're just so stressed out all the time or just having a difficult time just maintaining uh, your life. And to extend love to one another in these times is difficult. And maybe that's what he's trying to say there. I'm not sure, but it's one interpretation, I suppose. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to finish finish out the song so that's you know why he's so great at songwriting you know he's one of the best at it because even with like i said it's a throwaway but just that line you know what you could do with a single line to kind of either take the edge off of something that's heavy or to just bring it home to bring the point home with it so, you know, while we're going, well, what does get on the scale if you ain't got the weight mean? Or what does, you know, mm-hmm. the other, you know, the other bits of it mean? You have where that line says it best, you know, it, it is more hard to love than it is to hate. And, you know, when you look at, I mean, you know, any, you know, disenfranchised community, but one where there is such a level of violence and a lot of senseless violence that's attached to it. And I mean, it's still, you know, which is still playing out even more so today where, yeah, you know, you, you might have a disagreement with somebody, you know, but the easiest thing to do or the quickest thing to do is to grab a weapon and just take that person out. And you know, when it's like, no, you, there's another way, there's a better way, you know, you don't have to do that. You know, it's like, okay, you got beef with that person, just be a better person. Mm-hmm. You know, but then saying that, that's not an easy thing to say. 
Yeah, yeah, it's more one of those easier said than done type yeah. situations for sure. Yeah, right. But yeah, but in this, in the face of such, you know, kind of senseless violence, then yeah, it's you know, it is a challenge. It is a journey, and to you know, face yourself to do it is very, you know, it's it's a it's a challenge. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of like my takeaway of the song is it's. It has some really clever and memorable lines that taken on its own, just like in a bubble, you can apply it in a lot of different ways. So like free your mind from this rat race. That's a, that's a, I think a clear kind of cool takeaway line. You can, you can read that line, understand it and kind of apply it and figure out what Prince is trying to say or, even if it just means for your own life, just apply it in your own setting. Don't get on the scale if you ain't got the weight. That's that's a, a, an interesting line. I think it's one of the clever, more clever lines of the song. Yeah. And it's more hard to love than it is to hate. While less clever, it's more impactful than don't get on the scale if you ain't got the weight. Because it's more hard to love than it is to hate can be clearly understood. So you know, like just, those three lines are big takeaways for me. Yeah, and you, ju- I think you might have just hit on something with that because, yeah, to go down that dark path, that's a lot of heavy consequences that you know come your way when you make that type of a negative choice, and you know not only in just the use of drugs or anything negative, you know, if someone's selling too, you know, that's, that's a, you know, there's consequences that come with that lifestyle. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, uh, with a lot of Ice T's records, you know, I've always noticed how he would point out to where the characters in those songs, they, they never get a happy ending in that. And that's just to show that, yeah, there's, you know, there's consequences for choosing that lifestyle. So yeah. I think, you know, Prince in his own way is trying to send that message. So now that now it makes sense, you know, <laughs> to where it's like, yeah, don't get on that scale if you ain't got the weight, because, yeah, you make that choice down that dark road. You know, here's one end, you got jail. The other end, you got death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Heavy yeah, and heavy consequences. Yep. For sure. All right. Well, that pretty much brings us to the end of the song, Richard. Um, do you have any additional thoughts on on the track? I feel like we kind of covered everything, but want to give you another opportunity just in case. Yeah, uh, just one last thing about it. Um, listening to it sound-wise, again, sometimes, you know, Prince will hit on an idea or, you know, a set of chord changes or a set of riffs that kind of informed the next period. But listening to the lyrics, you know, if it was in production in May of 1988, (laughs) and if he was approached about it before he released this as a B-side, he could have easily retooled this as something for the Batman soundtrack. Good point, yeah. 
yeah, easy think, to tweak a few things here and there and, and make it make it fit. Yeah, yep. yeah. You can take out glam slam and you can insert. It'd be kind of weird saying bat dance, but no, no. You could you know the kind of the chorus or choir that sings Batman in bat dance. Mm-hmm. You could swap that out. Yeah, I can hear it in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> as you say it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if if that had happened like six to seven, eight months earlier, I think yeah, it could have been repurposed for that and it would have been a better fit for that project as opposed to just being a B side. Yeah. And that's interesting. It. Food for thought. <laughs> <laughs> Alternate reality where escape is part of the Batman soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Or what would whatever he would end up calling it. All right, very cool. So uh, thanks, Richard, for joining. Where can um, people find your show and what you're up to? It sounds like you also have music on Bandcamp. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, just two singles: um, "We Funk" to the last band and "Save Yourself." Just a little bit of avant-garde funk. So check it out and support that page um amari purple talk is on the libsyn network for podcast so you can pretty much get it almost anywhere on your favorite podcast platform or you can watch on youtube on the amari communications channel all right well i'll make sure to put uh, links to all that in the show notes for those who for folks who are interested in hearing what you're up to on either music or podcast front and uh, again, thanks for joining me on this episode, Richard. Much appreciated. Uh, Jason, Jason, thank you. Thanks for having me on again. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show, Press Rewind Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube as well. And also have a Discord for the show. If you like that um, method of communication, you can find the link to that in the show notes. And um, episodes can be found on PresserWine.net or uh, at basically any podcast um, platform that you can think of. I try to get out there and spread spread my episodes out as much as possible to make to make them uh, easily available to those who are interested in the show. So thanks to the listeners. Thanks to Richard. And until next time, goodbye. Peace. <laughs>